This is the Hasidic Story Project with Barack Holman, podcasting from Jerusalem, Israel. This podcast is sponsored by listeners just like you. To become a supporter of this podcast, please go to HasidicStory.com. H-A-S-I-D-I-C Story.com. You'll never know. You'll never know. You'll never know. You'll In the town of Sons, where the great Rebbe, Reb Chaim of Sons, the Sons of Rebbe lived, there was a Malamed, a teacher in Jewish school, who needed to marry off his daughter, but he didn't have the funds to pay for the wedding. And the Sons of Rebbe was known for supporting tens of thousands of families, even though he, in his personal household, didn't have very much money. In one of the places that the Sons of Rebbe made a special effort was to marry off poor orphans. Not only would he pay for the wedding, he would dance at their weddings as if they were his own children. So this Malamid knew that this was the address to go to in order to get help to marry off his daughter. The Malamid comes into the house of the sons of Rebbe, and as soon as the Rebbe sees him, he says to the Malamid, Tell me, when are you going to marry off your daughter? And the Malamid said, Well, the truth is, Rebbe, I don't know. And why don't you know? said the Rebbe. The Malamid said, Because... I can't afford to buy a strimal and talis for my future son-in-law, as is the custom in our community. Now the Sanzer's son, Rabbi Chezkel of Shinova, who himself was a great Talmid Chacham, was sitting at the time, learning at the table in the Sanzer's house, with a chevruta, and Rabbi Chezkel looks up from his sefer, and he sees the Malamid, and he says, Tati, this is very strange indeed. I just saw that Malamid in the store, buying a strimo and a talus with my own two eyes. The Malamed, of course, was deeply embarrassed, and he ran out of the house. The son's a Rebbe. He looks at his son, and he says, Yechezkel, what? Are you crazy? How could you embarrass a Jew like that? In my house. And the son said, but Tanti, I saw him with my own eyes getting a strimo and a talus. I'm not telling a lie. This is really what I saw. And the son's a Rebbe said, And don't we learn to judge every Jew positively? How do you know that he actually purchased that talus and strimal? Maybe he took them on credit and he really can't afford to pay for them. Maybe he bought them, but he can't afford to buy the dress for his daughter who's marrying the Chatan. Maybe he can't pay for the food. Maybe he can't buy a dress for his wife. Who knows? But whatever happened, one thing I do know is you embarrassed that Jew. And what are you going to tell the heavenly court? When the day comes that your soul leaves its body and has to give an accounting for how you embarrass this Jew in my house. Rabbi Chezkel, he got the message. He put down his sefer very quickly and ran out of the house, looking for the Malamed. Looked everywhere, and eventually he found him standing on the street. The Malamed was so embarrassed when he saw Rabbi Chezkel, he put his arm over his face. Yechezkel came over to the Malamed and he said, My friend, I'm so sorry. I don't know what I was thinking. I shouldn't have said those words. Please. Let me pay for the shrine on the talus. It's the least I can do for you. But the Malamed didn't even want to look at Yechezkel. He didn't want to speak with him, didn't want to look at him, nothing. And Yechezkel knew that this was not okay. He needed to make amends. And he tried and tried, but the Malamed wouldn't hear about it. Eventually, Rabbi Yechezkel said to the Malamed, Listen, if we go to my father, the Rebbe, and ask him to make a judgment, whatever my father says, I promise I'll do. And that made the Malamed listen. He said, Okay, let's go. 
So the two of them went back to the sons of Rebbe. And the Rebbe says, no, state your claim. And Yechezkel says, Tati, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have embarrassed this Jew. I really don't know if he paid for the strimal and talus or not. I shouldn't have said that. And I offered to even pay for the strimal and talus so that this Jew can marry off his daughter. The Rebbe looks at the Malami, he says, what's your claim? He said, your son embarrassed me. I really don't have enough money to pay for the wedding. I can't pay for anything for the wedding. All I was going to ask for was money to buy a strimal and talus for my son-in-law. And the rest I would figure out later. So the sons of Rebbe looks at the two. And he says to the Malamed, I want you to take my advice. You are not to forgive my son until he pays for the strimal and talus, and your daughter's wedding dress, and your wife's dress, and a suit for you, and all of the food, and everything that's needed for the entire wedding, down to the last shoelace. And not only that, you, my son, will pay for all this, and then you will dance at their wedding as if the Chatan and Kala are your own two children. And so the Malamed, who wasn't sure how he was going to pay for his daughter's wedding, now had everything taken care of, and also the Rebbe's son, who danced like a madman at the wedding of the Malamid's daughter and son-in-law. That was a little bit of a shorter story than I sometimes tell, so I want to tell one more short story. In Europe, as in many places in the world today, it was the custom in the months leading up to Pesach that families would start collecting the fat from chickens and geese when they were cooking. They would collect this fat and use it as oil on the holiday of Pesach. And so, for six or eight weeks before, the geese were being fed, force-fed, from buckets of corn twice a day so that by the time the holiday came around, they were so fat they could barely walk. The two great rabbis in Europe at the time were the Chassam Sofer, Rabbi Moshe Sofer, and the Yismach Moshe, Rabbi Moshe Teitelbaum. And the two of them disagreed over whether force-feeding the geese made them kosher or treif. The question was, when these grains of corn were force-fed down the throats of the geese, did it damage the esophagus and then make the animals treif? Because if after the animals were shechted, there was a hole in the food pipe or the windpipe, they were not kosher. And since they were being force-fed with sharp kernels of corn, it was definitely a possibility that this could have happened. The Chassam Sofer held that even force-feeding would not cause damage, and so he said that it was permissible, and that the animals would most likely be kosher. The Yismach Moshe, on the other hand, said that since the kernels were sharp, there's a good likelihood that they will make a hole when the animals are being force-fed. And so he ruled that the geese that were fattened by being force-fed with these kernels of corn were treif, and not allowed to be shechted in the first place. The two of them corresponded back and forth over many weeks. Each of them gave their arguments to prove their point. And of course, this was an argument, Hashem Shemayim, for the sake of heaven. And finally, the Chassam Sofer said, instead of giving theories and trying to prove it, why don't we do a practical test? Let's each of us take 10 geese, 
fatten them up ourselves, we'll shech them ourselves, and then we'll fill the esophagi with air and float them in a bathtub and see if any of the air comes out. If there's air bubbles, then obviously the bird was trafe, and if there were no bubbles, then the bird would be kosher. And so they did, over the course of eight weeks, each of them fattened up ten geese, and each of them shechted them themselves and tested them in the same way. And an amazing thing happened. All of the birds from the Chassam Sofer were kosher, and all of the birds of the Yismach Moshe were treif, exactly as they had both ruled. You see what it is, my sweetest friends, when a true halachic authority makes a halachic decision, it's not just because that's what that person feels like is right, but it's because it actually is. Mama